now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Whole Home Show. I'm Tony Joe, your host here every week, bringing you tips, education, and updates on home-related matters. Whether you're in the real estate market or if you're looking for decorating or improvement ideas for your home, this is a great place to be. Our show comes to you with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellers, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. Happy to be your host here every week. It's been four years now and over 200 episodes bringing wonderful guests and information and everything that you need to know around your home, whether you're selling or you're not. It's always good to know what's going on out there. That's one of the topics we'll be talking about today, by the way. Uh, I've been selling real estate here myself since 1991. It's been 30 years and my goodness, I love this town just like all of you do as well. Now, listen, if you uh, would like help from any of the whole home show team members, just go to the cfax1070.com, look under shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. All of our contact information is there. And of course, if you're a podcast listener, you can download all of our past episodes uh, on iTunes or Google Play. Our guest today is Chief Economist from the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson. Brendan will be telling us about the recently released market intelligence report released by BCRA Economics. It covers a wide range of areas regarding real estate in the province, along with uh, some fantastic statistical back forecasting on what the future holds. Now, listen, we've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to bypass our usual beginning uh, answering questions that listeners have. We're going to get right into our conversation uh, I want to introduce uh, Brendan. Brendan is the chief economist for the British Columbia Real Estate Association. He specializes in macroeconomic forecasting and housing market analysis. Brendan is responsible for communicating trends and producing forecasts for the BC housing market and for forecasting in BC, Canadian, and US economies. He's a member of the BC Ministry of Finance Economic Forecast Council. He's also a contributor contributor to the Philadelphia Federal Reserve's Survey of Professional Forecasters. Uh, Brendan, thanks very much for coming and joining us here in Victoria on CFAX. Thanks for the invite. Great to be here. Yeah. So um, really quickly, I want to make sure the listeners uh, know a little bit about BCREA. Of course, they know their realtors face-to-face. They know that their realtors are all members of, for instance, here in Victoria, it's the Victoria Real Estate Board. Um, uh, the British Columbia Real Estate Association uh, includes the 10 member boards in uh, British Columbia. Uh, those boards um, those boards would be, for instance, Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, Vancouver Island, which is north of us here, north of the Malahat, the Kootenai Real Estate, Kamloops and District, uh, Powell River. Um, I'm missing one. I'm missing uh, Chilliwack. Oh, I'm missing a couple. Yeah, Chilliwack. Okan- and the Okanagan. Uh, yeah, uh, which is now, now. Yeah. Yeah, which is now the yeah, Association of Interior Realtors in BC. See, I thought I had that. I thought I knew them. There's, uh, uh, but the thing is, there are twenty three that about more than twenty three thousand now, right? Yeah, about twenty three thousand and a half. Yeah. Okay, uh, twenty three thousand realtors serving British Columbia, ten member boards, um, and 
the services that British Columbia Real Estate Association provides to uh, the member boards are things like education, providing um, uh, online courses. Many of the listeners know that I'm one of the instructors for BCRA. There's uh, a mandatory continuing education. Um, uh, there's advocacy, which is another part of BCRA. But why we have you today, and it is a biggie, is because BCRA also has economics, the economic side, right? You bet, you bet. We're a, a two-person department, but we, uh, we, we, uh, our, our role is to sort of provide, you know, market stats for the public, but also some, some, you know, interesting kind of analytical stuff like our, our market intelligence reports that hopefully will influence out of the conversation and, and provide realtors with some, some real insight into their, their business and things they can, they can talk about with their clients. Looking forward to actually uh, uh, getting on the intelligence report because there's so much great stuff. I, I want to say though, I you know, in my time just observing uh, economics, you know, we all read the news. There's the bank, uh, the financial uh, sector, uh, economists, and, and all of these. Uh, I, I've got to say, I always appreciate what organized real estate, BCRA in particular, um, has done. Uh, I was I was trying to find it. So your predecessor, Cameron, who I have worked with uh, a lot in the past, there was an article out there that compared BCRA's uh, um, economics to, uh, an, I think it was from 10 years ago, to all of the others. And BCRA scored high as, as far as getting it right. I'll give all that credit to, uh, to Cam. You did a great job. Well, well you were around as well too, right? <laughs> but, and, and, but the thing is, uh, what I'm saying is it's, it's interesting to listen to, for instance, uh, economists from the financial sector trying to talk about real estate, because you know we are the boots on the street. We are the we are the professionals that are actually dealing with people who have the need to buy or sell. And you know, sure, the the banking end of things is different, but it always kind of made me wonder why they would forecast on things that they're not directly involved in. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where um, a lot of they get a lot of attention. It seems like in you know the further away you are from from uh, from the a topic or from from the the sector, the more um, um, the more attention you get from the media, especially. So like you know, Deutsche Bank will put out something about how the bank of housing market's overvalued and gets all this attention, and they you know they've been putting out the same wrong kind of stats for like ten years, but it always ends up in the in the media um, for whatever reason. But yeah, we're we're kind of on the ground, and we're we we do this every day, so we should get it r r more right than yeah. they do. So yeah, um, you know, they do a lot of great things too. But yeah, I mean, we're we do this all the time. We kind of live and breathe looking at real estate markets. So, you know, well, thankfully, it, we're, thankfully we're good at it. Yes. Well, and you know, listeners should know all of the reports are available. Like anyone can go online and look at BCRA's uh, reports. You do YouTube videos uh, uh, regularly. There's monthly updates just talking about what's going on out there. Uh, so none of this is secret. This is all, it's you know, available and, and, for anyone to see. Uh, especially for realtors, you can just, you know, subscribe. Uh, you'll get everything we, we produce in your inbox and make it super easy for you. Mm-hmm. So tell us about what it's been like in the past year and a half, 15 months. Uh, it's been a very different time. Yeah. I mean, we started um, the start of 2020. We kind of thought my thinking at the time, I just basically stepped into the role of chief economist, I think at the end of 2019. Well, you were the deputy chief economist de for yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've been with BCR for about 10 years, yeah. uh, but we were thinking, you know, this is going to be a pretty boring year. We had two, um, down kind of years in 2018, 2019, we thought things were going to kind of come back to around normal levels of, of sales activity. And it was going to be a really 
boring kind of normal year. And, uh, and obviously it was not, it was not that at all. And then we, you know, as an economist, it was kind of fascinating um, to, to watch because, you know, if you kind of called the ball in the air in February, 2020, and you know, what's going to happen to the market, if we have a very serious recession and a global pandemic, you would have come out with a scenario that looked a lot different than what we, what we ended up with. So, you know, um, that was pretty interesting to look at and to really analyze and really dig into, you know, why did the housing market perform the way it did? And, you know, we wrote a few reports about that as well. Like one called the, the unusual economic economics of a pandemic or something. I can't remember what it was called, but really looking in, in detail, like why did the VCA housing market do so well considering we had, you know, a global pandemic and, and one of the deepest recessions in BC and Canadian history. Um, and, you know, there's, I can go through all the factors, but that would, that would take up a lot of our time as, as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it's been a, it's been a really interesting year. You know, my two most, you know, at, at the start of my career as an economist was, was around uh, the financial crisis and digging into that. And that was a pretty interesting time. And, and now kind of, a, you know, more than 10 years on, we have another kind of very interesting crisis to, so it's, it's been a, a fascinating decade of, of being an economist for sure. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, before we take our first break here for the day, uh, we will be talking about the market intelligence report. And I really appreciate how it's been formatted because basically it was five questions that uh, that BCRA has answered. And I just want to give a little tidbit to our listeners before we take our break here. But the questions are, how long until markets return to balance? Will demand for extra space persist post-pandemic? Is remote working here to stay? When might immigration normalize? And what does that mean for housing? And will high inflation lead to a sharp rise in interest in mortgage rates? Um, so there's a lot for us to cover, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. yes. And uh, listen, like I said, it's, uh, it's time for our first break right now. But when we come back, we're going to pick up our conversation with the chief uh, economist from the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson, back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're having a conversation today with the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan uh, Ogmason. Again, Brendan, thanks so much for coming and joining us here. Uh, this is the, thing, the great thing about Zoom is uh, you don't need to come to Victoria. You're, uh, it's Zoom time, right? Yeah, though I'm getting a little, little tired of my home office, but, but yeah. yeah, it'd be nice to, to get out once in a while, but you know, soon enough, hopefully. Well, you know, and, and as a visitor, every once in a while to the BCRA office, I got to say, I haven't been there for, I don't think I've been there for two years now. Yeah, I've barely been there <laughs> for two years, so yeah. Got it, got it. Okay, so I want to get right into it. Um, so tell us about the market intelligence report. Yeah, it kind of came to me you know, we, when I, I do a lot of presentations and a lot of media, and, and I tended to get a lot of the same questions about what the market might look like post-pandemic. And of course, as we approach, hopefully, optimistically, the end of the pandemic, um, it was kind of just looking at um, what are the big questions that are going to shape the market? Where, so what are some of the trends we saw during the pandemic, and are they going to continue uh, post-pandemic? And, and generally, it's it's easier to ask questions and to answer them. So we sort of you know, format as five big questions, um, mostly to do with uh, the housing market very much in particular and some of those pandemic trends we've seen, but also like big macro questions like inflation, which is one of the more hotly you know, debated topics uh, among economists these days. So um, yeah, and, and I like lists. So people like <laughs> lists. Got it, got it. Okay, let's start with number one. So uh, question number one uh, is, 
how long until markets return to balance? I get asked that question all the time as a practicing realtor. You know, people are wondering, what's, you know, when's it going to go back to normal? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we talk about market balance, we're really talking about, you know, when markets are in balance, we expect that prices are going to grow kind of around the rate of inflation, maybe inflation plus one or 2% instead of like, plus, you know, 25%, like we've seen year over year in some, some markets. Um, so looking at when uh, that might happen really is all about the supply side. So we looked at, you know, even if uh, home sales come back down to long run average levels, which we expect they will over the next year, how, how far are we on the listing side on the supply side to getting back to balance? So we figured we are about 20,000, maybe 25,000 listings in the province away from balance. Uh, and some markets are even worse. So if you look in Victoria, uh, we are 50% below the level of listings we would need to be at to get to balance. So all, overall, we're sort of like, and we look at new listings too, like new listings are okay, but they've actually started to, to trend a little lower in the last couple of months after, after rebounding for, you know, through the pandemic. Um, so we're a really long way on the supply side, even if, even as sales, you know, get back to normal, we just need way more supply. And that, that's a much more difficult question um, because you obviously you can't force people to list their homes. There's no policy lever to get people to list their homes. You, you can't build houses overnight. Yeah. And you can't build houses overnight. So the only way you can really expand uh, you know, listings is to expand the housing stock. And that takes a while. Uh, and, and so we're, we're, you know, we're kind of in this, this probably a long road back to normal. It might be a year and a half. It might be two years. It might be longer to just get to back to a healthy market. I mean, if we look at the province as a whole, we really haven't had like a healthy level of listings in close to a decade. And, and no surprise over that decade, we've had some pretty, pretty shocking rises in, in home prices. And some of this is demographic. This wasn't in the report, but I looked at it um, pretty recently, uh, looked at just the composition, the age composition of the province and said, what are the top 10 ages? So I think you'd be like, you stacked all of the, everyone from babies to hundred year olds and said, what's the most common age? Uh, and looking at for, for BC, uh, the most common ages were the number one most common age was 57. So there's more 57 year olds in BC wow. than any other age. Number two is 56. <laughs> uh, and then and then it goes like 30 year olds, 31 year olds, 34 year olds, 35 year olds, 32 year olds. So like if you look, think of BC is really a whole bunch of eight people age 55 and over and a whole bunch of 30 year olds. And so there's this real demographic tension because if you're 50 plus, 55 plus, you're very likely settled, right? Like you bought your home that you're going to stay in for a while. You're not going to be listing. So we have all of these 55-year-olds who are- and, like, Maybe this is like your third home or- Right, or, exactly. Yeah, it's not your first you're, home. You're, you're probably yeah. there for 15 to 20 more years, right? And yeah. you're not necessarily interested in relocating. So we have that on that side. We have a whole bunch of those people. And then we have a whole bunch of 30-year-olds looking for housing. And the listings just aren't there. So we don't have like the churn in the market that we need. Some of that's demographic. Some of that's about uh, whether or not we've built enough housing, but it's a real issue. So that supply side of the, of the equation, getting back to balance is a really difficult thing. And we've tried to kind of hammer the demand side through policy over the past 10 years. And it just isn't working. Like we really need to get more supply to the market. And what we mean by supply, we need listings on the market. We need stuff you can buy right now because all those 30 year olds want to buy, want need a home, need a household right now, uh, not 10 years from now, not five years from now. So um, that's what, there's all that tension there. And that that's one of the major issues. And one of the, you know, so 
getting back to balance, you know, I think it's going to be going to be a while yet. So now at the very beginning here, you, you said 25,000 listings, sorry, was that 25,000 active listings? Active listings. And, yeah. and what would it normally be like? At, so yeah, at right this- now we're around 25,000 for the province. A healthy amount is about 45,000 to 50,000. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like half of where we need to be. You bet. Well, yeah. And, and something that I have mentioned to our listeners before as well, too, is, you know, it's not like there aren't houses. It's just maybe, like you said, those 57-year-olds, they they maybe want to move, but if they're scared that they can't find a place to go to, they're not going to go to market. And they'll go to market when the market balances out a bit, right? Yeah, or, you know, yeah, we're kind of hoping you know, once once we get to, you know, 80% fully vaccinated or something, we get kind of po- in the post-pandemic era, maybe that starts to to push people to getting more comfortable with, with, with listing. If they're thinking about listing pre-pandemic, maybe now they're, they're more comfortable doing so. Maybe that gets some supply to the market. Uh, we have been building a lot, like under construction is really, is really strong. We're just not very good at completing all of those units in a very timely fashion. So, but there are a lot of units that will be hitting the market and that, you know, every time a new unit completes, it might free up some of the resale stock. So there are things that should help to nudge listings higher, but like the gap is so big, it's not, it's going to be a pretty long process. I had a conversation with a consumer uh, just last week uh, talking about, well, how come developers haven't taken advantage of this time and just like started building? And I had to explain that the timeline, like no developer could have thought, you know, four years ago that yeah. this would have happened. In fact, they were more scared than anything at that time. Right. And, and, you know, you look what happened with lumber prices because, you know, home builders were not expecting the housing market to, to do what it did. And so they, they didn't have any inventory. So like lumber, so like, you know, the lumber inventories were super low because no one was expecting we would have, you know, a building boom in the United States and Canada because the housing market was doing so well. And you see what happened to lumber prices as a result. We have all those bottlenecks all through the economy due to the pandemic. But mm-hmm. thankfully, if you're doing any renovations or, or anything right now, lumber prices have come down quite a bit, at least lumber futures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's, you know, no one, we are building, but yeah, you know, you think about expectations down the road, like, yeah, you would never have expected this, this yeah. would have happened. Well, and, and this is the thing, cause you know what, there's been so much conversation about, you know, thinking back to March of last year, none of us expected what would have happened in the real estate market. Like, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I and mean, yeah, we wrote a number of articles about it. Yeah, we were thankfully a little bit more right than the CMHC was, you know, we were forecasting a recovery in early 2021, essentially. It turned out that recovery came in June of 2020. So we got the direction and, and some of the magnitudes. Uh, right and away. just as a reminder, CMHC was the one saying that prices were going to go down 9 to 18% and things would go bad and they changed their policies. They've now lost market share. It's not been a good thing for Canadian Housing Mortgage Corporation. Yeah. I mean, that, that forecast had some, some, a lot of issues and we, I made some sport of it <laughs> last year, but you know. They've, they've updated it since they've, they've, uh, I'm sure they've learned their lesson, hopefully. Well, this goes, this goes back to what I said at the very beginning about, you know, if you want information about real estate and what's going on, talk to the people with the, with the boots on the street, right? Uh, we're talking today with Brendan Ogmanson. Brendan is the chief economist with the British Columbia Real Estate Association. I will put a link to information that we're talking about today uh, on the CFAX website. It'll come out in a few days time. Um, 
but you are welcome to visit or Google BCREA. There's tons of reports there. There's lots of videos on YouTube, uh, including Brendan giving uh, monthly uh, stats updates and everything. If you are all about stats, this is some great information uh, to have access to. Um, uh, again, Brendan, we need to take another break right now. When we come back, we're going to be picking up. We've only covered one question so far out of the five of the, um, uh, of the market intelligence report, but we'll make sure we cover all of it by the end. Uh, of our I'll talk fast. I'll talk faster. <laughs> so much good stuff here. So much good stuff. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show comes to you every week with the support of our show partners, Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Center's Modern Mortgage Group, J.P. Sellas, insurance advisor at Westland Insurance, the Sitka Law Group for your real estate, wills and estates, corporate and personal injury needs, and Silhouette Home Inspections with Pierre Beauvais. If you need help or direction in your real estate transaction, give any of the whole home show team members a call. They would love to hear from you. If you're a podcast listener, you can listen to this episode in the near future uh, or the 200 others that we have uh, recorded over the past four years by going to iTunes or Google Play and you'll find the whole home show with me, Tony Joe. In addition, and because we have BCRA, the British Columbia Real Estate Association, as a guest today, the uh, BCRA also has a podcast called Open House, which I have the privilege of being occasional guest host for. And it's lots of great information, uh, really focused on uh, realtors, real estate practitioners, but it's great information for consumers to listen to as well, too. And of course, uh, our guest today uh, had me thinking as he was uh, on Open House podcast, it would be great information to share with you, our CFAX listeners here in Greater Victoria. Uh, again, Brendan, thanks so much uh, for coming on our program today. You bet. Yeah, so we're talking about the market intelligence report that was released the end of June uh, on uh, for British Columbia. We talked about how long markets will return to balance. You, you basically answered, it'll take some time. This is not going to be an overnight thing. Will it be a year? Will it be two years? We need more inventory, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, now, something that has come to be, and I know this as a practicing realtor, uh, we've had people move from other places, Toronto, Ottawa, Lower Mainland, uh, other places, and they've moved to Victoria, um, and they, they remain employed, gainfully employed, but it's because they're able to work remotely, because the next two questions are, will demand for extra space persist for homes, and also is remote working here to stay yeah and they're they're kind of related so in the first you know during the pandemic we saw that people wanted more space their their houses all of a sudden had to be a lot more versatile they needed to be in a home office a school a, a gym a place to entertain uh and, and people wanted to kind of get away from highly populated highly dense areas only get away from other people didn't want to share elevators uh, etc um and that meant a lot of demand for space well there's not a lot of space in places like Vancouver and around Vancouver. So that drove demand into the Fraser Valley, into the Okanagan, onto Vancouver Island. Um, and, and combined with the ability to work remotely, um, that, you know, so we had sort of all of this migration, this relocation demand out from highly densely populated areas into smaller markets. Those smaller markets uh, were not really equipped. We talked about how low supply was. Those small markets already had very low inventories. And then all of this, this surge in demand into all these small markets 
um, completely tanked the you know, supply even further to record low levels, drove up home prices. So if we look across the province, uh, single detached homes, especially because people really wanted that space, uh, prices, you know, were up 25, 30% in Penticton and Kelowna, 25% in, uh, in Chilliwack, uh, Nanaimo was up about 25%. So, you know, all these little markets where, you know, if you, you don't have to work in Vancouver in a, in a, in a, in an office, you can kind of go anywhere you want. Why wouldn't you go to Vancouver Island? Why wouldn't you go to the Okanagan? Gorgeous places in BC and BC has got no, no shortage of really beautiful places to live if you don't have to commute somewhere. Uh, and a lot of people ended up in those places, uh, especially a place like Vancouver Island early on in the pandemic, where it was a real refuge. Like cases, <laughs> cases were super low, right? It's almost like that, you know, kind of a- The moat, uh, we, get, we got a moat. We got a moat, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the island saw a huge amount of, of, of demand. Uh, and, and again, just not, not a lot of supply. And this, that's a, a, um, something that's been repeated all over North America. If you look at the levels of listings are record lows all over North America. A lot of it do this relocation demand. I was at a conference, uh, a Pacific Northwest Economic Conference, and we had people in Montana and Idaho saying the exact same thing, like, oh, we're, we're sick of people from Seattle and Los Angeles bringing their high incomes into our small, our small towns and buying up all the housing. But uh, that relocation demand um, is a real, a real issue. There were, the question then in the market intelligence was, is that going to persist once the pandemic's over, mm -hmm. are people going to be able to work remotely long term? Uh, and are they going to want that extra space still? Like maybe you bought all this space and, and then two years away, you know, down the road, do you, do you still want that space? Or, or is and like a lot of it's sort of, you know, psychological rather than, than an economic question. Like, is there such a deep scar on the psyche of, of, of uh, potential home buyers that they're thinking, well, what if this happens again three years down the road? Like, I don't want to be caught in a, in a two-bedroom condo, I, I really want space, right? And so, is that how is that going to inform uh, their buying decision? So, kind of open, open questions. There's some research on, you know, people had to quarantine during SARS that showed there's a, a real long-term behavioral changes mm -hmm. from that that experience. But it's it's kind of an open question. Yeah. Wow. And and we never considered this before. I mean for it, it's it's a reminder about the fact that uh, this is a place that people choose to come to I mention this often uh, on this program here like you choose to come to the lower mainland you choose to come to the island if you had your choice of anywhere in the country that you could remain gainfully employed and move to oh man I mean this province has got it all right yeah and you think about there's some a lot of retirees that probably accelerated their retirement plans and, and a lot of those retirement plans involve vancouver island for, for places all over the country yeah. um so yeah and, and again it's just it was this level shift in demand in a lot of these markets that are used to a certain level of kind of act buying activity yeah. and it just jumped a level it's probably not going to stay there because a lot of this behavior is sort of already kind of been kind of pushed forward but you know, if, if there, if you can work from anywhere, does that mean it's more, you know, that level of buying activity is sustained at a higher level than it would be otherwise in a lot of those markets, you know, maybe. Well, there's two, there's two things that come to mind for me right now. I mean, um, as you mentioned, and we've seen it, the numbers are up, you know, 22%, 24%, 25%, man, you know what, it was not long ago when we had, if we had a 10 or 11% jump, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, that's fantastic, right? Uh, great for homeowners, not great for buyers, right? Um, the other thing, bef uh, before we started our program today, you were talking about Chilliwack, for example. Chilliwack with no inventory. And 
I, as a kid, I remember Chilliwack has been, oh my goodness, that's so far away. Like, you know, who would go out there, right? Yeah, that's my, actually my hometown. So I grew okay. up, I grew up in Chilliwack. Famous Five Corners, favorite, famous Five Corners. Sure, yeah. very yeah. famous. Um, <laughs> uh, um, you know, but it's now like it's close enough to Vancouver that you could work there and still reasonably commute if you had to twice a week or something, if you had kind of a hybrid. So what we've seen in Chilliwack is, is um, you know, a huge surge in demand and again into a market that's very undersupplied and, and even more so in the pandemic. So prices there are up 30% year over year. Um, and it was a place that was generally kind of affordable, especially if you want a single detached home. It's one of the, the what's happened during the pandemic is a lot of these places that used to be sort of an oasis of affordability. If you were kind of in the lower mainland and looking for, um, for space for a family, uh, all of a sudden got a lot less affordable because we have all of this shift in, in demand into those markets. So mm-hmm. that's again, like there's not a lot of solutions. This is all domestic too. We're, you know, we're talking about only local people, right? So there's no, so your usual kind of scapegoats don't, don't apply. These are local people, local incomes flooding into local. Well, markets. we're going to get into scapegoats after our, our last break today, but um, um, something else that you've done a fair amount of research on is looking into uh, because if people are staying at home, then employers uh, and like work standards all of a sudden kind of kick into place. It's like, are people going to be productive, right? Yeah, and and if you survey people, so like we have very good information on on a couple of things. So StatsCan had this really interesting um, report they put out about you know what would have to take place for for working kind of remotely to be more more of a, a long term thing. Um, it was people want to do it for one and that they're as productive as they would be at work. And then if employers were kind of okay with that arrangement, essentially. So the first one, uh, seems like, uh, people report being about, you know, 90% of, of workers report being as productive at home as, as at the office. Now that's self-reported. Yeah. I don't know how they measure it. Um, secondly, about two thirds of Canadian office workers, um, according to a PwC survey, uh, reported that they'd like to work remotely at least part of the time, right? So there's the desire there. People feel like they're productive. Uh, the third one's a little more iffy. Uh, if you're a, a major employer, like a big employer, do you want, do you have the IT infrastructure to do all this? Do you have the culture to do it? Um, you know, there's a lot of open questions. There's, and there's a lot of good things from people being in an office. You have those sort of casual interactions you don't get otherwise unplanned kind of stuff that can be really, really important. Um, and just general kind of culture, kind of cohesion kind of stuff. I don't know. Like we've, I've been working from home for the past year. I think it's great. I've actually been more productive because my computer is always just here set up. So I have an idea and I can come. And so I've done a lot of work over the past year. Um, But, you know, maybe in a post-pandemic world, there's a lot more distractions. Maybe people aren't as productive if they can actually go do other things. I don't know. Um, But we had this year-long experiment. It seems like it's been going pretty well. I would guess we're going to have another post-pandemic experiment with hybrid kind of working, and we'll see how that goes. But the issue really being it puts a lot of pressure on on the the housing stock of, of small communities around B.C., Fantastic. Well, we're here talking with the chief economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson, talking about the market intelligence report, five questions of which we've gone through three now. Need to take our last break of the day. When we come back, we'll be picking this up back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. 
Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with me, Tony Joe. We're having a conversation today with the Chief Economist of the British Columbia Real Estate Association, Brendan Ogmanson. We are talking about the BCREA Market Intelligence Report that came out the end of June, tackling all of those questions that you guys have been wondering about, about not only local real estate, but, local, but real estate within the province of British Columbia. Uh, Brendan, again, thanks very much for joining us today. You bet. Thanks. So much good stuff. Now, first three questions. How long until markets return to balance? Will demand for extra space persist post-pandemic? And is remote working here to stay? Had great conversations about that. If you're just listening right now and you miss those, uh, find the podcast. <laughs> go on to iTunes or Google Play. Go on to the cfax1070.com website because we live streamed the last few weeks. So much great information. But the next question we have uh, that came up in your market intelligence report, Brendan, is... When might immigration normalize and what does that mean for housing? Why is immigration important? Well, it, for a number of reasons, but you know, for, for housing purposes, you know, it's the largest uh, driver of population growth in BC by, by far. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at BC kind of demographics, like age or births and deaths are kind of cancel each other out. We don't have a lot of um, a, a population growth for some people having having children. So a lot of what we get is is uh, what a, a lot of what drives population growth is immigration. This year, no surprise, with borders closed, immigration fell to its lowest level since 1989. Population growth is its slowest in over a decade, um, and, and yet we have you know largely for demographic reasons because of all those 30 year olds forming households. Um, we had really strong home sales. Now we can have. We can probably shrug off one year of, of low immigration, but over time, of course, we need to grow the population uh, to grow the economy, to, to add to the labor force. That okay, because here's the thing, and this is the old elephant in the room kind of situation. I've heard it, you know, I've been on uh, call-ins on CFAX enough times where people are like, you know, immigration, these people are taking our, you know, uh, taking jobs or they're, you know, they're pushing prices up foreign buyers. We've got the foreign buyer tax all this kind of stuff. Um, but there is, as you said, an importance to um, uh, having that population of workforce, right? Yeah, it's vital to our growth, the growth of our economy to grow our, our labor force. And you know, we're, a lot of the uh, immigration we're getting, of course, is very high skilled. We get a lot of students that stick around and work in the tech sector or work, you know, even not even just high skilled jobs, but all types of jobs. Like we need um, immigration to, uh, to, uh, to grow the economy, to grow the workforce. So, um, it's vital and we have, uh, pretty aggressive immigration targets over the next three years, uh, for Canada, over 400,000 in each of the next three years. Yeah. BC usually gets about 15% of that target. So we have some aggressive targets to hit. And sort of the question we're asking in the report is when are we going to hit those targets? Like, it's not really a question of if, because immigration is going to normalize at some point. Um, but really, we're, I think we're pretty far from a point where our, our borders are going to be open to regular immigration, especially, you know, you look at countries where we get most of our immigration from uh, and look at kind of where they are in terms of battling their pandemics within their countries, uh, uh, you know, looking at vaccination rates and, and daily cases. So we look at, at China, 
India, the Philippines, those are sort of the biggest source. They're having trouble. Those guys are having trouble. And they're really not close to where we would like them to be, right? So, you know, we have a chart in the um, in the report that has sort of an optimal area where we would like the, you know, we have all these little bubbles and we'd like them to be in one part of the chart and they're very far away from that part of the chart. So, you know, we'd like them to be above 70% vaccination rates, right? And we'd like to see their daily COVID cases really low and uh, and they're just not there. Um, so I think that by those metrics, I don't think that, you know, immigration normalizing is really a 2021 issue. It's probably more like 2022. The one thing that is happening though, is that students are coming back. So study permits. in class, right? In class. Yeah, now. So, yeah. so we're going to have in-class learning study permits for, for foreign students are way up in 2021. Uh, and that's probably good for, you know, the condo sector in, in especially you know, the rental sector in, in Victoria and Vancouver, where we have major universities that need, you know, students need housing. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's it's probably a good thing, a positive for, for you know, the, the downtown of Victoria, the, or the, it's not downtown, you know, the, condo, <laughs> yeah. the condo sector in, in yeah. Victoria and the condo sector in, uh, in Vancouver, especially around, around universities. Yeah. Um, so getting back to when might it normalize. So what I'm hearing from you is, uh, the, 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 the skilled labor, it's going to take a while. It's going to take the, uh, the country's vaccine, uh, protocols to step in. And of course, uh, open borders, right. That's yeah. Be- yeah. I mean, this starts to get pretty far from my area of expertise when we're yeah. kind of like, I don't know, it just looking at just some easy metrics, uh, it looks like, you know, if you were kind of just common sense thinking about when's a good time to open our borders to to immigration flows from countries where we tend to get a lot of immigration from, and then looking at the the situation, the pandemic situations in those countries, they just don't look there yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, listen, we got our last six minutes here, and the, the last one is is a biggie, and that is, will high inflation lead to a sharp rise in mortgage rates? Because the mortgage rates really have driven this whole thing over the course of the past year and a half here. I mean, nobody would ever have imagined interest rates below 2%. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, interest rates, you know, the more five-year fixed rate fell to, what, 2.4% in 2015 or 16, which at the time was the lowest on record. It fell to one8 Yeah. during the pandemic. You can get a variable rate right now for one4 uh, so, you know, for what I, you know, when, when we model these things, um, you know, we always say if, if you could hold a sort of a draft for the most important, uh, the most important variable in forecasting the housing market, you would draft, you know, mortgage rates at number one. Uh, they're just, it's a, the interest rate channel is really, really powerful. Um, so importantly, we ask about um, what's going to happen with interest rates because the Bank of Canada targets inflation. We're really asking what is the outlook for inflation? And that's the most hotly debated topic in economics right now, because we've seen a really high inflation in the United States, and we have uh, inflation in Canada at about three and a half percent, which, you know, if you know about inflation, the history of inflation in Canada, that shouldn't scare you too much if you experience double digit inflation through the 70s and 80s, but three and a half percent is still the highest it's been in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that, though, is driven by the fact that we're comparing uh, prices in a, a basically fully recovered economy to prices at the absolute lowest point of one of the worst recessions in Canadian history. Oh, so we have this, okay. economists call it base year effects, which just really means we're comparing prices that at, at a, in, in a strong economy to prices in a very weak economy. And prices fell during the pandemic. 
So gas prices are up 40% year over year, right? Because if you remember, oil prices went negative at one yes. point last year. Not long pretty, ago, yeah. Yeah, pretty wild. Uh, and now they're kind of back to where they were. So that's obviously a huge driver of inflation year over year. Home prices have gone up, that contributes. And then one of the really weird ones is, is kind of speaks to uh, a lot of the weird bottlenecks we're seeing in the pandemic is, is passenger vehicles. And you really see this in the United States who are a little bit, a few steps ahead of us in their reopening, but people want to travel again. And that means they want to rent cars, uh, but all the rental car companies sold off their fleets. Yeah. And now they're scrambling to buy back used cars. So the price of used cars has skyrocketed. And that was like a third of inflation in the United States is just from used cars. So there's weird bottlenecks that are causing inflation to be higher than they would normally. But those seem like temporary things, right? Same with like lumber prices. Lumber prices went from, you know, $400 per thousand square, whatever, board feet. Board feet. Yeah. Like a rail car basically yeah. of wood um went from like four hundred dollars to like sixteen hundred dollars and now it's come back down to like six hundred dollars so on futures prices yeah. so all these weird things in the pandemic that meant like we had these bottlenecks and, and, and companies caught out with really low supply of inventories having to buy scramble to buy it back um those are temporary phenomenon uh and so we we, we expect those will will kind of be their, their sort of transitory effects so there are some other issues. So the, you know, maybe um, uh, inflation because the economy is overheating a little bit. Uh, we do have, you know, still a bit of a, what we call an output gap. So the economy is not quite operating at its fully kind of full potential, which yeah. drags prices a little bit or inflation a little lower. That's probably, you know, the next year or so going to be gone. We might be operating a little above potential and that's inflationary, but not so much that we should be really worried about it. Um, and, you know, hopefully it drives wage gains. We get some, you know, some, some, uh, some positive aspects there from, from inflation. Uh, but generally like the, the, the sort of, it's, it's, a, it's the biggest part of the report because it's the part I was probably most interested <laughs> yes. in writing. Um, the, the, the kind of point is we expect that this inflation is going to be transitory. We might see kind of 3% inflation for the rest of this year, but we should come back down to target. We have a fun chart in there showing what would happen if we're just wrong, right? So what if, what if we had 3% inflation sustained? What if we had 4% plus inflation sustained? What would that mean for mortgage rates? Uh, and in general, Baseline, if we have just regular old kind of inflation follows our forecast, it is transitory. We might get back to like a 3% uh, five-year fixed rate by mm -hmm. end of 2023, yeah. uh, around where we were pre-pandemic. So right at the end, at the start of the pandemic, the five-year fixed rate is about 2.95. Maybe we get back there by the end of 2023, once the Bank of Canada starts raising rates. If we're way off on inflation and we get all, we get accelerated inflation, we could see something like a 5% fixed mortgage rate, but then the 2024, mm -hmm. I don't think that's Which not happen. that long ago actually yeah. was still considered low. Right, right, exactly. Although, and in this case though, you know, because of the, the size of the mortgages. Yeah. And, the, and because it'd be 20, you would actually have to qualify at seven. But even right now, and, th and that has to do with the stress test, you know, you're talking about the B20 rules is people are qualifying right now at five and a half anyways, even though they're getting it, whatever, two something or other, right? Yeah, it's, it's one, of the, one of the really interesting phenomenon about this recession and, and really credit to the, the policy response from the government, but households are in most households, I should say, are in fantastic financial shape coming out of this recession. So if you look in, in 2020 alone, in just that one year, Canadian households saved more in 2020 uh, than they had in the previous six years combined. They've well, no place to this, spend it. No place yeah, to spend yeah, it. Yeah, no place to spend it. So they have, you know, and a lot of that money is in bank accounts. And yeah. so there's a lot of that precautionary savings. 
you know, how that money gets spent uh, over the next couple of years is going to be an important tool to the recovery and whether or not we do have more you know, higher inflation. You know, if all that money is being spent, you know, if it's a roaring 20 situation and where people are out spending like crazy, maybe we have some more overheating than we, we currently think. But uh, yeah, but households are in great shape coming out of this recession, which is very strange. Uh, this is not not the way things normally go. Well, Brendan, you know, we got to wrap up because unfortunately, that's the end of our time together. Thank you very much. Brendan Ugmason is the chief economist from the British Columbia Real Estate Association, answering five questions from a market intelligence report. But the summary is not to expect any major changes for a year, year and a half, maybe even two years. We're going to be in this position for a while. That's kind of what I get from this, right, Brendan? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is on the supply side. It's, it's something that's like, what, how does demand kind of shift? Is it going to be in the same places? But a lot of what we're talking about the housing market is it's just going to take a long time to kind of catch up from, um, from especially the, 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 the supply gap that's really blown open during the pandemic. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Brendan. And to our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.